Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Is it fall where you live? It is fall by the calendar where I live, but it is still H-O-T hot. And um, there's promise of cool. But I've gotten to the place after spending the entire summer in Arizona, which is not the Otto's habit, to believe that it's not cool until it's cool. Even if they're promising cool, it's still H-O-T hot. Anything over 100 degrees is hot. You'd agree with that, wouldn't you? You're nodding your head. I can see you. Well, I was thinking about all that's going on in the world, in our culture, in our communities. Uh, a young woman said to me, the holidays are coming. Are you ready for the holidays? And I thought to myself, hmm, am I ready for the holidays? I'm always ready because I'm always preparing. But this year, I didn't have much time for preparing. It was a, did I tell you it took me 11 months to move? That's a little longer than it should be. That's another story. But it is getting to the time where we're talking about Advent and Thanksgiving and Christmas. Advent, we have Advent candles. They are on the website. Order quick. We only got X number of them. And I was calculating the other day how many were already spoken for before we placed the order. So if you want Advent candles, they're $6 a piece. There's a picture of them on the website. Order them now and we'll get them shipped to you. There are also a limited number of red plates and people are always interested in red plates. And the big Advent book isn't here yet, so I don't know how many we're going to have. We'll talk about that a little later, but it is the end of October and before you know it, it's Thanksgiving and then it's right ready for us to celebrate. In the, all the midst of that, I thought I ran into something that I wrote in 2007. How audacious of me, but I'm going to, uh, let's see, I'm going to paraphrase something I wrote so I can do anything I want to with it, right? And I called it a devotional and it was put up online, it may be there, but it was a piece of inspiration to me. And I thought, where do I go for inspiration? That was my question. Where do I go for inspiration? And so I'm calling this time together looking for inspiration. And the devotional I wrote was about Hudson Taylor of China. Hudson Taylor of China. And... Um, no, it wasn't about Hudson Taylor. It was about George Mueller of England. And yet I talked about in this devotional a number of missionaries. I don't know what the definition of missionary is in today's culture, but it was in those days a person, we're talking early 1800s, who left their comfortable surroundings to go to a very uncomfortable place. George Mueller was an amazing man, and I think I came to be particularly interested in him because he always had this ultimate line or ultimate confession or ultimate belief that God could be trusted. God could be trusted. And you probably know of him if you heard the story about a man who started orphanages in England 
in the early 1800s when children were literally starving on the streets and he took them in and miraculous things happened and every day he prayed for the food for the day literally thy kingdom come thy will be done give us this day our daily bread and one morning there was no food for the day and it was morning and there was no food for the day and within a very short period of time a truck full of bananas crashed in the neighborhood i don't remember the exact circumstance of the story but the entire truck full of bananas was given to george and the children who lived in the orphanage and god had provided it wasn't the provision we were hoping for three square meals you know protein and vegetable and maybe a little natural carb but his accounts of the way he lived his life so inspired me so inspired me he read from his bible from end to end over 200 times he prayed for orphans every day he cared for over 10,000 individual children alone in the orphanages and those orphanages continued for 100 years after his death he raised millions of dollars and yet it was absolutely his his vow his his makeup his mandate that he would never ask for money he never asked for money he never took a salary and yet god always provided he lost two wives to death and three children he traveled over 10,000 miles preaching three times a week for 60 years and for 17 of those 60 years he preached daily and he died in the night after a prayer meeting that he had led. I think that that... I, now, some of you are saying, well, that was, he was a workaholic, and he was overdoing it. And I could pull all of those things apart and, and more than likely agree with you. But I will say to you that when I just say those things aloud, after having read a number of autobiography biographies of his life, I, I'm inspired. I'm inspired. I juxtapose, not by comparison, but by fact. Like, by the facts of what he did in his life and the facts I do in my life. I don't know, I didn't know, maybe he complained all the time, but from what I read and what he's done, he didn't have a lot of time left over time for complaining. And his message was always the same, God can be trusted, God can be trusted. God is good and God does good, he said. And some people speak of him as that he had a gift of faith but others often say it wasn't a gift of faith it was the grace of faith and there's a very different thing there all who believe in god have faith they have faith but by god's grace we believe that his promises are true that he is worthy that he accomplishes these things and out of his life i came to develop this was the inspiration, seven things that I wanted to do in my life. They became part of my um, module, my module for living. So I'm going to tell you them, and then I'm going to ask you to consider reading, as a part of your spiritual discipline, biographies. Now, some of you say, I don't like to read. Well, I know. It can be hard because it takes time to read. Um, most of these things you could now get on audio, and there are apps that take a, 
book and you scan it and it comes out audio. There's more than one way to skin that cat is what I'm trying to say. They are inspiring. They are awe-inspiring. Martin Luther, Tyndale, David Livingston, Mother Teresa. They're inspiring by the way they live their lives. I don't know. Was their life easier in the world they lived in? Or is ours easier? I think that life is hard. And I think life had less physical comforts in their days. Um, But um, their faith sustained them. I wonder if we have as much faith. They are inspiring. When you read about John Wesley, who we talked about, his mother a few days ago, Susanna Wesley, it is recorded that John Wesley traveled 250,000 miles on horseback. And he gave away 30,000 pounds of sterling and that he preached more than 40,000 sermons in his life. I think those are just mind-numbing statistics. Biographies have a power to move us in ways that other material cannot because what we're actually looking at is the real, true life story of another human being. And he does live in a different era, and you can say that's comparison, but I think it's inspiration. It's someone giving their testimony. It's someone telling their story. It's not that you say, I want my story to look like that when I'm gone. A couple of decades ago, there was a lot being talked about um, legacy. A legacy. I want to leave a legacy. And what is a legacy? People were talking about, I'm going to do this so I can leave a legacy. These men and women did what God called them to do, I'm sure in harm's way, often, because God called them to do it, and then, because of that, they left a legacy. So reading a biography, um, I think the most important thing about reading a biography is reading it with a stance of humility. Reading it with a stance of humility. That means just recognizing that you're not trying to be like them, You're not saying, okay, here's my to-do list now, 250,000 miles by horseback. Then I can compare to John Wesley. No, we read it with humility for God to inspire our hearts, for him to call us what to do. That's one more thing about this inspiration before I give you my seven, oh, I call them motivations, but seven inspirations out of uh, George Mueller's life. Dorothy Sayers, who is a brilliant 20th century religious playwright and writer, uh, noted for translating Dante. Hello, did you wake up in the morning and decide, I'll just mm, translate Dante? You've got to have a brain and a brainiac and a power to do that. And, and in those accomplishments, it is also known about Dorothy Sayers that she fell into sexual sin. It resulted in an illegitimate child who was never publicly known. Uh, She admitted to having uh, tastes and appetites for too much food and too much wine. And when I say that, I say that not to show her imperfect life in any way to diminish her, but to remind you that no one has a perfect life. George Mueller didn't have a perfect life either. Neither will you, but are you inspired by men and women who gave themselves away, did the hard things, did what they didn't want to do, heard God's voice and trusted him to give them the wherewithal to do it? 
I love this two shelves of my bookcase. In our new home, David said, do we have to keep all these? And I said, you betcha, you betcha. They are the stories and the lives of men and women who have inspired me for most of my adult life. George Mueller motivated me to teach the gospel in as simple a form as possible. He motivated me to lead people to know and realize what privileges they had in God. He encouraged me and inspired me to make sure that believers who followed Christ knew their Bible, loved their Bible, wanted to learn from God's Word. He inspired me to cultivate brotherly and sisterly love among one another, to help create communities where people loved each other and stayed together, whether that was staying in a family, staying married, staying in a group. He inspired me to do my best to provide my own example by vulnerability and showing people how I have trusted God or have not trusted him in areas of my life. And the last two, he inspired me to have some picture of a separateness, to have some places in my life that were separate from how the world lived their lives. Not that I wanted to wake up and look different or odd, but that there were places in my life, because I loved Christ and followed him, that I was different. And lastly, he caused me to be inspired to always remember that the hope of Christ is that he will return. One of the things that Christ did not know, the all-knowing God, when asked, when will you return? When will Christ come again? I don't know. I don't know when he'll come either, but I do know he will come. Be inspired. Inspire your family. There are lovely volumes of many biographies of missionaries, very inexpensively put together and in big, bold font so children can read them aloud. Get one. Start reading it. If it takes one year to read the whole thing, it will be worth it. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and let those men and women who've gone before us in the work of missionaries inspire you today.